Hey church, I hope you are doing well. You know, one of my favorite movies uh, from the past is Groundhog Day, and I love that movie until I found myself in that movie. Now, I hate uh, the movie Groundhog Day. Anybody beginning to feel like you are in that movie, like each day seems eerily similar to the day before and the day before that and the day before that, where, where you meet lots of interesting people over and over again called your family. And just hear me, I love my kids, but I, I need a break. Uh, in fact, Meredith and I came up to the church uh, last night to walk around in the dark by ourselves. And so to all of the children of our church, just listen, your parents love you. They just need a bit of a break. I love you. Your pastor loves you. But, but hey, pick up after yourself and comb your hair. Uh, just help your family out. And, and as a faith family, what we're doing is we're taking a walk through the book of Philippians. And, and one reason, the the main reason is that Philippians is a book of joy. And right now, we all need to be reminded to choose joy. And another reason, and I don't want to be honest with you, is that I can read it to you and show you what the book says, or I can show you how to read it for yourself. And here's the honesty part. I love to do this. I love preaching in this way of picking out a passage and picking it apart and picking out parts of it and letting the living word of God speak to us. And so we decided to pick the book of Philippians for the next however many weeks. Because if we have to do this, do church like this uh, with a camera and streaming, then honestly, I want to do it with something I love to do. So, so let's dive back into the book of Philippians. Get your Bible. In fact, let me just give you a tip during this season while we're doing church like this. Uh, get a paper Bible out and, and limit the devices. Watch the TV, but don't have your phone and iPad in your hand. Get your paper Bible out, write on it, <clears throat> draw notes on it, and let's focus in on what we're doing in this new way that we are doing it. And if you were here uh, with us last week, we got to verse 7 in chapter 1, and we're going to try uh, to go all the way through the book. That's the goal. But the overarching idea that, that I want you to get as we study Philippians is this. We can choose joy. No matter what we, we have going on in life, we can choose joy. So, so let's back up and get a running start and begin with verse 7 where we left off last week. And look at what he says. So, in fact, why is there a so there in this verse? I think he is looking back to what he just said. Paul is saying so based on what he just said. Because of this I can do this. And let's just review for a second. Uh, what did we learn last week from verses one through uh, six? We, we said in order to choose joy, well, number one, we choose to be thankful. Uh, an attitude of gratitude will determine our altitude. We, we choose to be thankful. Uh, number two, we choose to pray. Uh, Paul is praying through this book. And, and number three, we choose to partner. We, we need partners in the faith. And, and number four, we, we choose the good news. And, and then last week we said number five was we choose joy by choosing to see the end uh, with hope. So, so let's pick up. So it is right that I should feel this way about all of you. You, you can circle that word feel and just write the word joy out beside it. I have joy uh, because of all of you. You have a special place in my heart and you share with me the special favor of God. I'll underline that phrase, special favor of God. And write out beside it, grace. That's what that means. Special favor is grace. And grace is 
where we don't earn it, but God gives it to us anyway. So we, we, we don't do anything to get it and we don't do anything to keep it. And, and on both, side of the, both sides of the equation, it is 100% a God thing. But, but grace isn't something that we get just at the point of salvation only. That's not the end of the grace story in our lives. Grace keeps going in every chapter of our walk with Christ. And no matter what is going on in life, we can make it through with grace. Grace, grace, God's grace, right? We, we, we get through this because of the amazing grace of God. And, and Paul knew that. Take a look at what he says. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. Literally, he's saying, you and I both know about the grace of God. We, we know about the grace of God in good times, and we know about the grace of God in bad times. And he says, I'm experiencing God's grace even in the middle of this imprisonment. But I also experienced God's grace when we were together in Philippi, planting this church that you were a part of. And God's grace is evident every time we meet. And church, I just want to declare that to you today. God's grace is evident every time we meet. It's evident when we're in a building and people are raising their hand to accept Christ. It's evident when people accept Christ watching on a stream and they click uh, hey, I raised my hand or I gave my life to Christ. So it's, it's true in the worship center. It's true when you're in your living room. And, and I think we have to learn to walk in God's grace during the bad times if we ever really want to notice it and enjoy it in the good uh, times. And, and so uh, let, let's just keep walking through this. Verse 8, look at what he says. God knows how much I love you and I long for you with, with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. So, so what does he do with all these feelings? Look at verse 9. He says, I pray. This is a choice he makes to pray. We, we talked about all the things last week that he chose to do in order to choose joy. This is one of them. He chooses to pray. And I can't help but think, that this prayer is connected to this idea of grace in his life. And Paul uh, thinks about the grace he is experiencing. It causes him to think of his love for, for the Philippian church, and he responds in prayer. Here's the question. What is he praying uh, for? Let, let, let's keep reading. Look at verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and you will keep on growing in knowledge and in understanding. And for the Philippians, Paul is watching, and he's seeing their faith. He, he sees their faith, and he's recognizing that God is moving behind the scenes. And so he tells them two things. In fact, write these two things down if you would. He, he tells them Two ways that grace is expressed in our lives. Two ways that grace is expressed in our lives. Number one is this overflowing love, overflowing love. And number two is an understanding mind, overflowing love and understanding mind. And we need both of them. And most of us are really good at one or the other. Those of us who are good at one, a lot of times we're not so good at the other, and we need both. Here's the thing, that knowledge without love is not always helpful. And love without knowledge is not always productive. And if you love someone sometimes, but you're blissfully ignorant of what they do, you might find yourself abused by them or used by them. Or on the other side of the spectrum, you could become permissive and, and allow them to make bad decisions. And it, 
it's like the parent who parents permissively, and I, I think right now, with this stay-at-home order, we're all more permissive than, than we were. In fact, why don't you just take a minute and, and discuss uh, just ways that you are letting things slide at home right now. Maybe rules that you would have uh, lived by before related to technology or diet or, or whatever. We're all kind of at a new quarantine weight. But uh, d- just take a moment. Y'all talk about where you've let some things slide for two minutes. So I would be very curious to see how similar your house is to, to my house and how you've become permissive. But, you know, you can go the other uh, route, too, and become a jerk. And, and you know those people. In fact, some of you, if you're honest, you, you are <laughs> the, those people. But, but if you have overflowing love that comes from recognizing the grace of God, all of a sudden, that knowledge is put to good use. So these two things, love and, and knowledge, they have to work together. And I'll come back to that in a minute, but, but I want to point something else out to you as well. Paul says, I pray that you will keep on growing in knowledge. And, and the word uh, that Paul uses for knowledge here, it's a special word in the Bible. It, th- this word is reserved for the knowledge of God's will. This word is not about knowing some theology. It's not about knowing some philosophy. It's not about knowing some set of facts. This word is only used about knowing God. That's what this Greek word means, to know God. This is how Paul knows what God wants him to know and how he knows what God wants him to do, his will. The will of God. And, and by the way, I, I just want to say to you, I, I don't believe, I'm not an ascriber to this perfect will of God, and there's only one perfect will of God. Like if you make a left-hand turn when you should have turned right, then man, your life is all jacked up now. Sorry, you're, you're out of luck. God 
does and can use our mistakes even. And, and he, the Bible says he can turn them for our good. It's, it's like if you uh, get lost with a, uh, a GPS and, and you're rerouting yourself. Uh, when, when you make a wrong turn, all of a sudden the GPS says uh, rerouting rerouting and, and, and finding another way uh, for you to get to where you're going. So let's uh, keep calling. Let's keep going through this. He calls this grace, and, and grace, uh, the gift of God. I, I do think there's this overarching will of God for our lives, and, and God has this goal for us, and, and that is for us, for, for you and me, to be shaped into the image of Christ. And it's not that we're uh, perfect. It's not that we never mess up. It's not that we follow uh, in, in every single way like Jesus did. We can't do that. But we, we, in fact, we used to think of the perfect will of God being attached to which college do I go to? Who do I marry? Which house do I buy? That's all changed a lot in the last few weeks, hasn't it? In fact, a lot of those decisions have taken a backseat to all kinds of other decisions. And now when you think about what God wants us to do, what, what does that look like now? What does that look like in our current situation? When, when, when we come back together again physically, how will you serve in, in, in your church? Or how about those of us in quarantine, what are you doing in the quarantine to share Christ with uh, your neighbors and, and with people around you? How, how, how is it that you invite someone not to a church building, but to an online experience? But in, in God's will, uh, when we think about God's will, it's you and me asking the Holy Spirit to guide our steps, right? And, and so here's a question to ponder is what steps is he guiding you in during these days? What, what is he leading you to? Well, he's, he's guiding my steps from the couch to the shower and then back to the refrigerator. No, no, it's, it's not the whole picture. Like, what, what is, it's about allowing the Holy Spirit to control our lives, to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.29 says that it's God's will for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He willed it from the very beginning. Now, remember last week, we talked about that it, God started the work in us. He, he will complete the work in us, and he is doing the work everywhere in between. And this work, all of it, is a result of grace uh, and you're becoming more and more like Jesus. God started it with his grace. He continues it with his grace and he will finish it with his grace. So let, let's keep reading. Look at verse uh, 10, if you would. And, and as we look at verse 10, look at what it says. For I want you to understand what really matters. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's part of what's happening to us in this season, right? Uh, to think about what it is that really matters. Now, take a second to think about and remember where Paul is. He is in prison. He, he is surrounded by guards. He's probably chained to a guard uh, most of the day. He's locked in stocks and his, his feet are shackled out in front of him. His hands are shackled out in front of him. And, and he can't get up and walk around anytime he wants to. And, and in fact, another thing, Roman prisons, they just weren't fun at all. They, they just weren't. And, and I, I, I don't believe any prison is probably any fun, but Roman prisons, they kept you in line in a Roman prison. They, they didn't have security guards and watch towers surrounding the property with, you know, like with a sniper rifle, uh, and, and they didn't have electronic locks and cameras. They had to use other methods to keep you in line. They beat you. That, that's what they did. They would come in and regularly flog you across the back or across the bottoms of your uh, feet 
to remind you you're not allowed to leave anytime you want, that you, you are in a Roman prison. And Paul is in this horrible condition, and, and he says, I want you to know what really matters. And I just confess to you, I, I'm thinking if, I, if I'm in jail, falsely accused, uh, what really matters is a good lawyer, right? I, I'm going to find a good one. Who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows Johnny Cochran? And, and, and I'm going to read the law book and, you know, I don't have a degree in law, but I'm going to help you, right? And so let's get a good defense for me before uh, the judge. Let's get this thing to the Supreme Court if we have to. I would pull in every favor that I've ever accumulated in all of my life to get out of jail. And, and currently in our culture, there's been a lot of talk uh, about what exactly is an essential service. Essential service. Grocery stores are essential, right? Because we, we have to have food. But Lowe's and Home Depot, those are essential because if your pipes break, you, you, you got to fix your pipes. And, and bars are non-essential, but liquor stores are essential for some reason. And, and, and by the way, let me just say to all of you who are our essential workers out there, while everyone else is sheltering in place, you guys are headed to the front line to ensure that we have food and health care and medicine. And we just want to say a big thank you to you, to all of our essential uh, workers. Just give them a thumbs up in the comment section, if you would, to all of our essential workers. We are so thankful for uh, each and every single uh, one of you. And so there, there's also something else uh, that's working every day that's absolutely essential, and it's joy. And in the middle of our troubles, we, we often discover what is most important and what it is that is essential to us. And, and sometimes we end up discarding things that are essential because we don't realize. But, but one thing that's most essential to our spiritual health is joy. Now, wh what does Paul say? He, he says, listen, God's joy is incredibly important. And the, the most important thing is loving others and doing the will of God. The, the most important thing is being formed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, hey, if I'm in jail, he, I, I guess I should seize the day. And so he wants to be an example to everyone around him of what Jesus looks like. And when we focus in on those things, according to Paul, our joy actually can be complete. When we choose joy, we can be in the middle of a bad situation and not lose sight of what really matters. And there are a lot of things that really matter to us, a lot of things that, that matter to us. I've never studied epidemics or, or pandemics, but right now they're at the front and the foremost in my mind. And I don't have the first clue of how to make a, a vaccine, but, but I think about that from time to time and during the day. And, and, and you think about all the gymnastics that you have to go through to get in the car and drive to the grocery store. But, but even in the midst of all that we're concerned about, there, there's one thing, according to Philippians, that we should be concerned about. And, and that is being formed by God to look like Jesus Christ. So let's keep reading in verse uh, 10. And as we read in verse 10, look at what he says. For I want you to understand what really matters so that... You may live a pure and blameless life until the day of Christ Jesus' uh, return. Pure and blameless. You can circle that in your Bible and write out beside it the word sincere. That, that's what pure and blameless means. It means sincere. It's not mixed with, with anything impure. It's having no impurities. In fact, when Paul says he wants us to understand, it's a word that means test. 
Not like study up and pass this test, but to test uh, like gold is tested in fire. They they would take uh, gold that was full of impurities and uh, they would pass it through the fire to refine it. And that's what happens to us when when we go through fire. Our impurities get removed. And and, and more than that, our true character uh, that's built in Jesus Christ will come through. And and I I, I, I see that and I think you see that all around around us during this pandemic, right? We, we see it everywhere. We're seeing people's true nature come out. We're seeing people, we're seeing our own true nature come out. Like, like when we're teaching our kids fractions, right? Or when we go through tough times, our Jesus-ness, if that's a word, uh, can come out or, or something else quite honestly can come out in those moments as well. But, but all of the stuff we used to care about, it's gone, right? All of the stuff we used to be distracted with, they're, they're gone. All of the stuff that we used to trust in, in, it, it, it's gone. And, and, and I think I want more of that, quite honestly. I want more opportunity for my Jesusness uh, to come out. And so why don't you do this? Talk about this for a couple of minutes. How can you use this season to let your Jesusness come out? And here's what happens when we go through trials and tests and we are refined in the fire of these times. I talked to a friend today on a Zoom call who leads a ministry, owns a ministry called Barna Research this morning. We were talking and he was telling me about his wife's 
terminal cancer. And, and, and through this conversation, uh, he, he was asking for prayer, and, and he, he said, this is how I want you to pray. I, I, I want you not to pray that the suffering would end. I want you to pray that God would do everything in me and through me and, and with my children. And, and, and what I watched happen on that Zoom call uh, with, with my friend Dave Kinneman is his Jesusness come through. And, and when we allow that to happen, we start to do something. We start to produce fruit. Look, look at verse 11, uh, and look at what he says. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and much praise to God. In other words, that is a great goal for, for our lives. Don't you want to be different after this season and this pandemic is, is over? Maybe you could take up a musical instrument and learn to play something or write that book you've always wanted to write or, or, or learn a new hobby. Or maybe you just want to waste your life away watching Tiger King or Netflix or, or, or something silly. But, but, and I get it. At times you just have to veg out. But no matter what you accomplish, hey, ask yourself this. What am I allowing God to accomplish in me in this season. That's the way we choose joy. We let God work in us and we let God work through us and out of us like fruit. You, you know, if you plant a fruit tree, you don't do anything. You water it, but that's it, right? You just let it be a fruit tree. You get out of the way and come fall you got fruit. You, you didn't do anything to work the tree to make sure that you got fruit. That's the way the fruit of the Spirit or spiritual fruit works. Uh, we, we just get out of the way. We, we don't work it. It works us. And, and uh, so let me just sum all of this up in one word today. And the one word is relationships. There are a lot of pairs in these verses we've just read today. And, and uh, I want you to get something to write on if you don't already have it. And I want you to make a list. Just title the list, Relationships Between, colon. And then number one to five. Just number one to five. And let's go back and, and to these verses. And I want to show you how to digest this and, and what it is that's really going on in these verses. Because if you really look at it, uh, you, you will see these relationships or these pairs that, that Paul is uh, putting uh, together. In fact, I'm going to do this on this iPad and draw on the scripture and draw on the Bible and help you make your list. We'll throw it off to the side of the uh, screen here, but look at verse seven. It says, so it is right that I should feel. Cir circle that word uh, feel, if you would, and then write out beside it joy, if you didn't already do that when I mentioned it earlier. So uh, to feel, joy is a feeling, as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. Now circle that special place in my heart, and then draw a line up and around feel over to special place in my heart. And down on the list, I, I, I want you to write, number one, there is a relationship between joy and loving relationships. Now, jump down to verse 9 and look at what he says. I pray. I want you to circle the word pray and then draw a line back up there to joy. Okay? And, and then number two on the list is there is a relationship between joy and prayer. 
There's a relationship between those two. Now look at what he says. I pray that your love, circle the word love, will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge. Now circle the word knowledge and then connect the words love and knowledge. And let's go down here and put that on the list as well. Number three, there's a relationship between love and knowledge. Love and knowledge. And, and we, we talked about that. Now look at verse 10 and look at what he says in verse 10. For I want you to understand what really matters. Circle that phrase, what really matters, so that you may live a pure and blameless life. And then circle pure and blameless lives and then connect the two uh, circles until the day of Christ Jesus returns. So that's the key, uh, a, a relationship. There's a relationship between what matters and pure lives. What matters and and pure lives. Now look at verse 11. May you be filled with the fruit, circle the word fruit, of your salvation. The righteous character, now circle these words, produced in your life by Jesus Christ. Produced in your life by Jesus Christ. And then draw a line between the two. And then number five, I want you to see there's a relationship between fruit and Jesus. Fruit and Jesus. Jesus. And so as you see these things, in fact, let me just remind you that Paul over in Galatians chapter five calls these things, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the Holy spirit. And what are the fruits? Love, joy. There it is, right? The second one, joy. So, so that joy is one of the fruits that's produced by what, or really is produced by who? the Holy Spirit. So there's this whole cyclical thing happening in all of these relationships that Paul is pointing out to us. And they're related, not as if-thens or do this and then you get this, but they are interrelated. We, we, we've, you've heard the verse, I think it's in Psalm uh, 30, says joy comes in the morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, morning. But I want you to know today that joy also comes in the morning, M-O-U. R-N-I-N-G. It can come in the morning, tomorrow morning, but it also can come in the morning while we're walking through hard times or walking through grief. In other words, it can happen every day in your life. You don't get joy after you're done with your morning. According to Paul, you can have joy right in the middle of whatever it is that you're walking through. They aren't separate steps. They are parallel tracks that that we are on uh, together. And these five relationships point back to and remind me of uh, the relationship of gospel partnership that Paul talked about back in verse 5. Jump back up there and look at verse 5 if you would. We talked about this last week. And I want to try to illustrate this for you today. In other words, let's just pretend that the saw is the gospel. And so God has given us the gospel. He's given us the good news. He's given us the tool that the world uh, needs. And I I could sit over here and and I could saw this and and cut on this log and and I can do gospel work all by myself. It will work. But here's the fact of the matter is that when you have partners and, and if we were to partner together on this, the math you need to understand is this is not just two times faster than this. It's 10 times faster than this. And that's what we have together, church, is this partnership. We are doing this thing together. And church, today I want you to know that I pray that even though we aren't together, that we would learn more and more in this season to be 
the church. In fact, speaking of prayer, this whole text we're reading today, this whole passage, it's a prayer. And one of the things that I would love for all of us to accomplish during this time is improve our prayer lives. And in fact, go back to your Bible and look at the heading that's before verse three. It probably says something like Paul's prayer. Did you notice that as we read it? It's a prayer. What we just read and studied today, it's a prayer. And the practice of prayer is what will improve your prayer life. You have to practice it. And so let's take a look at this prayer that Paul wrote for the Philippians. And one thing you can do with this prayer is pray it and pray the Bible. In fact, when you pray the word of God, you know you're praying the will of God because praying the scripture is powerful. It will improve your prayer life. You don't know what to pray, pray the Bible. When when you pray, pray the scriptures and and then what you can do is take out the you in it and put in another name, right? I, I pray that blank love will overflow more and more. I pray that blank, put a name in there. What will keep on growing in knowledge and and in understanding for I want blank to understand what really matters so that blank will have or live a pure and blameless life until the day of Christ Jesus return. May, May blank always be filled with the fruit of their salvation, the righteous character produced in blanks life by Jesus Christ for this will bring much glory and much praise to God. Now you try it. Okay. You try it. Put somebody's name in there. You could put Meredith's name in there because living with me, you, you could put, you know, I pray for South Tulsa campus, right? You could put a kid's name in there. You could put your neighbor's name, your parents' name, your pastor's name, your, your community group friends, put whatever name you want to put in there and take a moment and pray this over someone. Okay. Just, just pray this over someone. In fact, today after the service, Take a family walk. Take a family walk and, and, and take this page with you of the Bible and then pray through this over some different people today. Pray the prayers of Scripture. Let's practice this together, church. Those of you who are raising children in the home, listen, teach them. Walk with them through this process. As you learn, let them learn, and let's do this thing together. And when we get back together, we'll be stronger than we have ever been before. And as we wrap this up today, let, let me just say to those of you, who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can settle that decision right now. Wherever you are, driving on the road, wherever you are, sitting in your living room, wherever you are, and your pajamas are all dressed up, you, you can make a decision right now to give your life to Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me right where you are? Just bow your heads and, and, and close your eyes and open your heart. And would you just pray with me? Dear God, I, I know I'm a sinner, but today I ask you to forgive me. For all of my sin, Jesus, would you come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior and my forgiver in the best way that I know how? I turn my back on my sin and I trust you alone, Jesus, to save me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we all say amen and amen. Listen, if you just made that decision, I want you to text the word decision. 
to 555-888. Text the word decision uh, to 555-888 right there on your phone right, right now. Or if you're watching on our webpage, just click that button over near the comment section that says, raise my hand. Just click that button and we'll get somebody uh, with you today. Now, hear me. There, there was more background I wanted to give you today and I didn't have time. But, but what I'll do is I'll sit down with our video crew and I'll teach that background and we'll post it on mine and the social uh, media of the church on, on Sunday afternoon. And, and perhaps your community group this week can start with this little video of uh, uh, background on the book of Philippians that'll help you as you study this book. I love you, I miss you, and I am praying for you.